Our gospel reading this morning comes from Luke chapter 2, verses 22 through 40. When the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male shall be designated as holy to the Lord. And they offered a sacrifice according to what is stated in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose, man, whose name was Simeon. This man was righteous and devout, looking forward to the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit rested on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, Simeon came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what was customary under the law, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Master, now you are dismissing your servant in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And the child's father and mother were amazed at what was being said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to his mother Mary, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age, having lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage, then as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped there with fasting and prayer night and day. At the moment she came and began to praise God and to speak about the child to all who were looking for the redemption of Israel. When they had finished everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. The child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon them. May God bless the reading of the word. Well, friends... It is a joy to be together on this last Sunday of 2023, and as Travis mentioned, it's also the last day of 2023, New Year's Eve. New Year's Eve each year is a great opportunity to pause, to look back, to reflect on lessons we've learned in the past year, on experiences we've had. And I have to say that last year at this time, I never could have imagined how different my life would be today. On Thursday, Callie turned three months old, and with this milestone came the opportunity to reflect on how she has changed in the past three months, but also how I have changed in the past three months. Before she was born, we read all the books. We read the (coughs) blogs, the Instagram accounts. Neither of us have spent a large amount of time with babies, especially newborns, but I thought if I read enough If I look at enough schedules, we'll have a nice, predictable time together. And I really, really believed this because I'm a bit type A. As you know, we've been together for five years now. I like structure. I like order. I like things to be predictable. And by about week four of her life, I was really angry at those books and those blogs and those accounts. I thought it was a scam. I said, none of this is true. This does not work for us. She doesn't want to nap in her crib. She doesn't want to wait three hours to eat. She doesn't want to be on her tummy all the time. 
And every time something happened that was wrong or off the schedule, I would get angry, kind of like she is right now, because she's not getting the milk fast enough. I was angry until a friend who has two kids lovingly said to me, you just need to change your expectations. She said, no two babies are alike. You and Callie are both new at this. You're both learning. Just take it one day at a time and go with the flow. Well, I've never been a go-with-the-flow type person, and changing your personality is not something that happens overnight. But this advice to change your expectations really did free me in a way. Now, instead of feeling discouraged or frustrated when something happens that's unexpected, I expect the unexpected. But not all of it is bad. We weren't expecting it the day that she smiled for the first time. We weren't expecting it the day she rolled over for the first time. So changing my expectations has made space for me to be surprised, to meet her where she is, and to notice life as it happens. In this Christian season, this Christmas season, we are reminded of the peace, hope, joy, and love that Christ's birth brought down to earth. We are illumined by the light that shines in the darkness We join with the angels in singing glory to God in the highest heaven. And even though the Christmas story is one that many of us could probably say backwards and forwards because we've heard it so many times, we use this time each year, Advent, the four weeks leading up, to stew on the fact that Jesus' birth was not what people expected. So today, on the seventh day of Christmas, that seven swans a-swimming, We have the opportunity to continue the story in Luke 2. And in it, we see that there is more to share about the birth and purpose of Jesus than we read in just the nativity scene. We first learn that Mary, we first learn about Mary and Joseph in Luke chapter 1. Already they have said yes to being the earthly parents to the Son of God. Mary accepted the call to bear Jesus even though she was young and she was poor and she was opening herself to a world of ridicule. Joseph also was loyal to Mary and thereby also said yes to this unbelievable call. When traveling to Bethlehem for the census, Jesus was born in the most unlikely of circumstances. Imagine how exhausted this young family must have been from the travel, from labor, from the weight of this divine call. Yet in obedience, Mary and Joseph continued to do all of the things that were required of them by the Jewish law. Luke notes two reasons that Mary and Joseph have come to the temple on this day, the purification of Mary and the dedication of Jesus. The purification ritual was necessary for Mary to be able to re-enter society This was a ceremony that acknowledges the messiness of birth and and the dangerous nature of childbirth. In order to become ritually clean once again, she had to wash herself in the mikvah and make a sacrifice. And through this ritual, Mary was made clean and once again able to enter society. The dedication of the firstborn male was also important. In this ceremony, the father presents the baby to the priest Symbolically offering the baby to God, 
And the priest, instead of accepting the baby, accepts a sacrifice, and the baby is then redeemed. In obedience, Jesus' parents have brought him to the temple to do these things, these rituals that were required of them, recognizing that he indeed was a gift from God. Meanwhile, we learn about a man named Simeon, who had been long waiting to see the Messiah. The moment that Mary and Jesus bring him into the temple, Simeon scoops him out of Mary's arms and testifies to the faithfulness of God. The sight of the child, the mere arrival of the baby in the temple, has caused Simeon to burst into a song of praise. He knows that God will indeed bring glory to the people of Israel and provide a light of revelation to the Gentiles. Similarly, though Luke doesn't quote the words of Anna, we know that her proclamation was also confirming the arrival of the one who sets people free. Both Simeon and Anna have been waiting for this moment, for the inbreaking of God down onto earth, and now they have witnessed the arrival of peace. But Simeon also says something unexpected to Mary, this new mother. This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed, so that when the inner thoughts of many will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. His predictions hearken back to Mary's Magnificat, Mary's song that she sang after the angel came and told her what was going to happen, they both talk about the rising and falling. The rising and falling of many suggests that Jesus will disturb the existing structures on earth, the hierarchies, the powers at be. And while both Mary and Joseph are present in this story, Simeon is only addressing Mary in this moment. Joseph remains in the background as Luke introduces Mary as the central figure who will walk with Jesus in this journey. Simeon is offering Mary a realistic um, look into what her life is going to look like now that she is intrinsically connected to Jesus and his mission. Now, this is not the first time Jesus has been told, Mary has been told something about Jesus. We think back to Luke 1, when the angel, when the angel Gabriel came to her and said, He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. But Simeon's prophecy here has a bit of a different tune. It complicates the story of Jesus' life and offers a realistic view of what challenging an empire means. Simeon is warning Mary, and by extension, all of us today who hear this word, about the consequences of a life connected to this baby. As Simeon anticipates the salvation that Jesus will bring, he also prepares them for the violence the empire will unleash to prevent its coming. As Christians living in 2023, we know what Simeon said is true. We feel the tension of living in this world, but not being of this world. We know what Jesus has said to be true about his kingdom, yet we see the reality of evil and justice and oppression. We desperately want there to be peace on earth while war wages on. Our souls are tired from the weight of grief and loss 
that seems to never end. This is a timely reminder that while we associate Christmas with the birth of a baby, with chrismon trees, with poinsettias, with twinkly lights, the birth of Christ was so much more than that. Because through the birth of Christ, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God happened. It was God, our creator, redeemer, and sustainer, stepping down from heaven to show us the way, the way of love, peace, joy, and hope. Through the life, ministry, and teaching of Jesus, we can see the light of Christ breaking through, kind of like twinkly lights on a chrismon tree. When we open our eyes and expect to see God in the unexpected places, we will see that it has been around us all along. Simeon and Anna model for us what it means to live in this tension and to maintain our covenant with God. Both were in the temple that day expecting God to do something amazing. Both allowed themselves to be delighted and surprised when the Messiah, the Savior of the world, was present in a vulnerable baby. And even as Simeon notes the suffering and challenges to come, their faith and their joy are not diminished. So here we are on the seventh day of Christmas, on New Year's Eve, on the cusp of a new week, a new month, and a new year. People all around the world will be making New Year's resolutions, goals that they hope to achieve in the next year. According to a Forbes survey, the top goals for 2024 are, number one, improved fitness, number two, improved finances, number three, improved mental health, number four, improved weight, and number five, improved diet. In the coming weeks, we will see people eating healthier, going to the gym, being intentional with their time and money. But the same study shows that resolutions don't actually last that long. The average resolution lasts 3.7 months. 22% of people last two months, while only 13% of people make it four months. This is discouraging, but also not surprising. Who among us has not set a goal and then not met it, or not met it in the way that we hoped to? But the beauty of setting goals is that we don't have to wait for the ball to drop, for the confetti to fly, for the fireworks to burst, to commit ourselves to something. Each day is an opportunity for a fresh start. And on this day, gathered together as the family of Christ, on the eve of a new year, we have the opportunity to recommit ourselves and our futures to God. John Wesley, the founder of the Wesleyan movement, adapted a prayer from the Puritan tradition that he intended for the people called Methodist to pray every New Year's Eve. It's printed on the back of your bulletin. And he adapted this prayer, and his intention was that every year Methodists would pray this to renew and remember their baptism. In this prayer, we confess to God that we are not our own. Like newborn babies, we are figuring out how to live in this world while living for the kingdom of God. We admit that we do not always understand the world or God's movement in it, yet still we trust in God's goodness. 
We renew our promise to live faithfully and intentionally after the example of Christ. It is a surrendering of our lives to the God who sent Jesus to be the Savior of the world at Christmas. So as we look to 2024, may we follow the example of Mary, Joseph, Simeon, and Anna as we recommit ourselves and our hearts to God, expecting to see the glory of God in unexpected places. I'd like us to pray this prayer together as we end. I am no longer my own, but thine. Put me to what thou wilt. Rank me with whom thou wilt. Put me to doing. Put me to suffering. Let me be employed by thee or laid aside for thee. Exalted for thee or brought low for thee. Let me be full. Let me be empty. Let me have all things. Let me have nothing. I freely and heartily yield all things to thy pleasure and disposal. And now, O glorious and blessed God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, thou art mine and I am thine. So be it. In the covenant which I have made on earth, let it be ratified in heaven.